0: And we have been seven weeks in the book of, I mean, in chapter 11. And this morning I get to finish chapter 11, or I'm going to try to finish chapter 11. And over the past seven weeks, we've studied and we've talked through what it looks like for people to have faith in God, what it looks like for them to use their faith to do great things for his kingdom. We've looked at those who were faint of heart, those who didn't see God's hand yet. They trusted Him still. They stood firm. They were blessed. They were counted on. They led. They did amazing things for God. And we want to be those people. We want to be counted in those first 34 verses of Hebrews 11. We want to be the people who get to conquer, who get to do amazing things for God. And in the country that we live in and the culture that we live in, that's what you hear all the time, that if you have faith in God, you will do amazing things. Your life will be incredible. You will be blessed. It will be amazing. It's going to be just people are going to see what you're doing for God, and it's awesome. It's incredible. And who wouldn't want to be part of that? But this week, I want to talk to you about the other side of faith. And I want to expose one of the greatest lies in the modern church. See, this passage is about faith and it's about conquering and it's about wonderful things. But this passage is also about sometimes what happens when we have faith and people around us don't appreciate our faith. And God in his wisdom, when he wrote the book of Hebrews and when he wrote the book, this chapter 11, he wrote both sides of the coin. And he showed us the truth about placing our faith in a God who is holy and just and who can't look at sin. And what happens when we place our faith in him. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 40, let me read. Those, and you can follow along on the screen as we go through them. We're jumping in the middle. This was the end thought that Mike had uh, last week. Women received their dead, raised to life again. That's a yay, right? That's a cheer. That's good. Other people, now this is where we're going to start on the flip side of the coin, so bear with me. Other people were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourgings as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. I know you want to go back to the beginning of Hebrews 11 already. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and on mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith. But they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Notice the switch has been flipped at verse 35. Last week, Mike shared with us about those who conquered, the Gideons, the the Barak, the the the, Jephthah, the David, the Samuel, those who conquered kingdoms and administered justice and obtained victories and obtained promises and shut the mouths of lions and conquered fire and escaped the edge of the sword and gained strength and weakness and became mighty in battle and put foreign enemies to flight, those guys, we all want to be Counted with those. And when we pray, that's how we want God to show up. God, give me an incredible victory. Let people see your hand at work. I want to be part of that. Don't you? Yeah. But here's the thing. God doesn't always choose to let us all be victorious. We're so concerned with the physical and the here and now and the life that we're living that we often forget that God is concerned about the eternal. And the circumstances that surround us, yes, God cares about that. And yes, God is gracious. And yes, God is willing and, and offers us the grace and the peace and the encouragement that we need to struggle through life. But he doesn't promise us victory always here on earth. It's not there. It's not in Scripture. And if you and I were to go back through the Old Testament and we were to look at the history that surrounds the people of the Old Testament, the time period when the Old Testament was being written, we would find story after story after story of those who were told, forced even to recant or or asked or or put on their knees and told, look, unless you reject Jesus Christ, unless you reject God Almighty, unless you refuse to follow God, then you will lose your life. You will be killed. And they chose to die for their faith. And here's the thing, folks. You will look at history. You can read it. Go to uh, Fox Book of Martyrs if you want. You can read history and realize that God didn't swoop in at the last minute and save them. Hundreds of thousands, millions of people even have given their life for their faith. And the passage that I just read From verses 35 to 40, there's all kinds of things mentioned. And let me tell you, from Scripture, there was a mother and seven sons who watched. She watched her sons killed. It's an Old Testament. It's in the history of the Old Testament. She watched all of her sons killed. And then her life was taken because they would not refuse to follow God, Jehovah. Joseph and Jeremiah were mocked and beaten and imprisoned for their faith. Genesis 39, Jeremiah 20. Most Bible historians tell us and believe that Isaiah was the one who was sawed in two for his faith because he wouldn't refuse to follow God. And then all throughout time and up to today and happening right now, right now, in the history of the church itself, right now happening, probably at this moment, there is someone who is losing their life for their faith in Jesus Christ. And Christians all over this world, throughout history and today, are facing hardship prolonged hardship, persecution, hunger, abuse, and death for following Jesus Christ. And it's because their faith is in God alone. Now, we saw those that conquered, and we read all that, and we want to be part of that. But believer, let me tell you something, that if you're willing to be part of those who are con- are going to conquer for their faith, you have to be also willing to trust God when you may lose your life for your faith. And when things don't go the way that you think they're going to go. There are those right now who are wandering without a home. They're wandering without their daily needs being met in a way that we would think is only appropriate and only civilized. But we don't like that part of faith. And in North America, we don't even understand that part of faith. And in North America, we like to think that if I believe in Jesus Christ and I follow Jesus Christ, then everything will be up and to the right and my life will be better all the time and God will bless me in incredible ways and I'll have all the things that I want. Yay, God. But that's not what Scripture says. See, I believe that these verses were placed here very purposely by the Spirit of God to help us understand and see the reality of our Christian walk. Our Christian walk is eternal. It is not temporal. It's not about what we have. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we look like. It's about the glory of God himself. And it's about pointing people to Jesus Christ. And sometimes pointing people to Jesus Christ isn't about winning. It's about being gracious and losing. And sometimes pointing to people to Jesus Christ isn't about proving that I'm right. It's being willing to back up and say, even if you don't understand, and even if you don't get it, I'll follow God. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. These few verses expose the lie that has been told in our day and age, and in North America especially, over and over and over and over again in the church. It's a gospel of if you follow God, you will be rich. It is not true. It is a lie from Satan himself. It comes from the pit of hell. It's not what God says. Let me tell you the lie. If you follow God, he has to bless you. No, he doesn't. If you have enough faith, you won't get sick. You always have what you want, and God will keep giving you more and more. And, and if, you, if you give to God, he has to bless you. No, he doesn't. He owes you nothing. He owes me nothing. He doesn't bless me on my merits. It's not because of what I am or who I am or how good I am or how great I think I am. It's His grace alone and that is it. It is all wrapped up in Him and who He is. And you're sitting there this morning and you're saying, but what about those verses where it says, look, if you give to God that He'll give back to you and you hear preachers quote, Luke chapter six all the time. And and if you give to God, he'll press it down and he'll give you more. It's completely out of context. Read verse 37 before you read 38. It's talking about forgiveness. It's not talking about material stuff. It's not talking about junk that will burn up in this life. It's talking about the person and the character of God and the qualities of God being made new in me and me becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. And in our day and age and in our culture, we sucked right into the lie that if we have more stuff, then we're a success. No, we're not. You just got more junk. You got more stuff to look after. That's all you got. If it were true that the more faith I had, the more God has to bless me, the better my health would be, the better off I would be, then Paul missed it. Paul blew it. He didn't have enough faith. You say, Tim, what are you talking about? Well, let me read this for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. For if I want to boast, this is Paul, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth, but I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations of God to him. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, listen to this, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. This doesn't sound like God's blessing him and giving him more stuff. A thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of satan to torment me so that i would not exalt myself whoa hold it paul says look god knew that if he gave me all this stuff all i would be is proud i would look at how great i am and look look at the great servant i am and and you can look at my life and i'm so good and so wonderful and paul says no way god looked at me and he says i don't trust him that much and think if you didn't trust Paul that much, what about you and me? Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that He would leave that this would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Whoa. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weakness, so that Christ's power may reside in me. First Timothy says for we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. For if we have food and clothing we will be content with these. Believer these last verses in the chapter that we've been looking at in Hebrews 11 tell us that our faith is made strong when we have to trust him our faith is made strong when we understand how weak we really are i want to be strong i want to have it together i want to know the next steps of life i know where i want to go i i want to be that guy but you know what i've realized every time I go down that road and I begin to think of that of myself, that's when I fall. That's when I fail. It's when I know that I can't make it without God and I'm weak and I'm broken and my heart, just like yours, it's, it's full of pride and arrogance and I'm selfish by nature. And my weakness draws me to the cross of Jesus Christ and makes me realize how great my need is for a Savior. And that Savior is Christ and only Christ. And so these verses that we're reading tell us this. Look, our faith is not all up and to the right, and you're not going to conquer all the time, and you're not always going to have victories, and God is not always going to sweep in and make your day perfect. That's not his promise, but his promise is, is if you have faith, he'll provide everything that you need. And when he provides everything that you need, it's not for your benefit, it's for his glory. Whoa, hold it here. It's not so you look good. It's not so people look at your life and say, wow, they've got it together. No. He provides what you need so that you can point the people around you toward Jesus Christ and say, look, the only reason I am where I am, the only reason why I can keep going through this day, the only way I can meet the trials and the struggles that I'm facing today is because Christ is enough. That's why. That's it. That's all I've got. And so these verses are at the end of this chapter so that we get the reality of our faith. The deeper my faith in Jesus Christ becomes, the more I lean and trust in him. You catch that? The more I understand who he is as a person, the more I see his character, the more I I get to know him as a person, the more I trust the more I lean, the more weight I put on him because I know that's all I've really got. That's it. Paul said it this way, I've learned how to have nothing and yet I have everything. I've learned how to place all of my faith and trust in God and who he is I've learned that every blessing that I've ever received are an act of the grace of God in my life. I've learned that I am nothing, but he is everything. And I will continue to trust him with all that I have. He wraps this passage up with these couple of verses, and I want to read them again to you. Chapter 11, verses 39 to 40, and he says this. All these were approved through their faith, But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. I want to stop here. The same way that the people in the first part or the first three quarters or seven eighths, if you want to look at it that way, of this passage, chapter 11, were approved by their faith. In other words, they trusted God to do great things and God did. The same way that those people were approved by their faith, that they had trusted God, that they put their faith in God, and they said, God, use me. The same way. When we are struggling in our faith, we don't face torture here. But when we are mocked for our faith, maybe your family doesn't believe, and they mock you for your faith. Maybe maybe there are things going on physically in your life that your body's falling apart right now. And you're struggling in your faith. Maybe there's an addiction that you're facing right now that's a giant in your life and it's eating you alive. Well, the same way that those guys who conquered by faith and they use their faith for the glory of God, that same faith will will propel you through the struggles that you're facing right now in your life. It's the same faith. And God looks at it and he says, look, all of these people in this chapter, the winners, the conquerors, the ones in our world that look like they've done wonderful, amazing things, and those who lost their life for me, every one of them were approved by their faith. It was the same. It was no different. They put their faith in Jesus Christ and they firmly planted their faith feet on him and they said, this is enough. This is it. And whether I win or you take my life, my feet stay in the same spot. Let me ask you, believer, where are your your feet planted? If God right now were to take everything that you hold dear, I thought about this week as I was reading this, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the things in my life, the people in my life, the events that go on in my life that I hold dear. And if God were to remove those from my life, would my faith remain firmly planted on Him? And I want to say yes, I do. But I'm as human as you are. And I have the same struggles, they just appear in different ways. And I want to say that I know the person of God well enough that if God were to allow those things into my life, that I would just keep saying, God, you give and you take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right, Job? I want to be that person, I really do. And I hope you do too. But look, the only way that I can be that person, the only way that that can be true in my life, As if my feet, my faith feet, my heart, and my mind is planted firmly in the person of Jesus Christ and I allow him to have his way in me every day. Every day. Believer, where's your faith planted? Where have you been planting your feet? All of these were approved because their faith was in God, not in themselves, not in themselves. Each group from the beginning of this chapter until the end were equally as faithful to God, conquering and dying for the promise of eternity with God. That was the promise. I like the way Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 through 12 say it. They say it this way. Let me read it for you. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time. To bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we also have received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will so that we who had already put our hope in Christ, might bring praise to His glory. If you took a moment and you read through this slowly and you paid attention to these words, and we don't have all the time this morning to do this, but you'd notice this about this passage of Scripture, and it's what, it's what Hebrews 11, the end of the, of the, the end of the passage, is telling us. It's all about what Christ has done for us. It's redemption through his blood. It's forgiveness for our sins. It's his riches and his grace that he pours out on us. He grants us wisdom and he grants us understanding. He makes known to us his will according to his pleasure that he purposed for us. It's his plan. It's his will. It's his church. It's his kingdom. And he's building and putting things together according to the plan that the Father set before time. And you and I are included in that plan. Did you know that? We're included. And by faith, we get to experience, it says in this verse, the inheritance of Christ himself. All of the riches that are in Christ himself. And eternity, they are ours. But it's not just about eternity, it's about right now. See, he wants us to stand in faith, believing that the promise will be fulfilled through Christ. And he wants us to live it out now. So if you're not a believer here this morning, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus has done this for you too. He's just asking you, repent of your sin. We're all sinners. And he's saying, look, stop stop trying to pay, pay your own way. You can't do it. But I've done it for you. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, The promise is yours. It's guaranteed. He's given it to you. But would you make it known to others? Would you allow your faith to live out in such a way that people could see Christ in you? Let let me be really blunt, because we're friends. Could we stop being so selfish? Selfish? Could we stop being so arrogant? Could we stop pretending we've got it together? We don't. Could we stop buying the lie that God owes us something? He doesn't. Could you just live out, could we just live out the love of Jesus Christ to this community? Could we allow this community to see that our faith is firmly planted in Jesus Christ? Could we let them see that we trust him and only him? Nothing of ourselves. Could we do that together? Because when we do, more people get to enjoy the promise that he's given, which is an inheritance for eternity with him. I've asked the band to sing a song for us. You can stay seated. Just watch the words. Pay attention to the words. But this song tells us that God provides everything that I need. Through the tough, through the difficult, through the things I don't understand, He is willing to provide if I I keep my faith and my trust solely placed in and on Him. Would you just pay attention as they sing this for us this morning? believer whether you conquer or you die is your story it is well Christ is enough I did what he asked Trust his promise. God, it is well. It is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul? Our chief goal and our chief end as believers is to praise and bring glory to God no matter where we find ourselves in this life. Are you okay with that? Are you really willing to live that out? Father, Oh, that we could point people to you. Oh, that the story of our lives would be the story of the grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, that at the end of our life, folks would say it was well with their soul. We could see Christ in them with everything that they won and all the difficulties and all the shortcomings and all the problems they faced Christ was enough for them God as a church help us to be a group of people who you're enough and help us to live that out in a way that our community would see just Jesus and the glory of God in us thank you. Thank you for all that you've given us. Thank you that we can trust you with our faith. Thank you that you've never failed and you're not going to start today. Go with us from here. Help us to live for you. To put you first. And to love you with all of our being. In your precious name we pray. Thanks for being with us today. Would you come and join us as we celebrate those who are following in Believer's Baptism? That will happen in probably 40 minutes or so. Thanks. You're dismissed.